I think people should measure their own success and also like the growth over growth and not relying on outside validation because India could stop listening tomorrow and I'm still going to be doing the show and my numbers will drop, but that's okay. And I'll figure it out as I go. This is the Pod On Podcast. We're your host, TJ Bonavatura, that's me, and Julian Lewis. That's me. As founders of a podcast media company, we had to start a podcast. So join us each episode as we and our guests drop knowledge on podcasting for you, the curious and scrappy podcaster. Welcome back to another episode of the Pod On Podcast. As always, I'm joined by my partner in crime, co-founder of Studio Pod and co-host Julian Lewis. I love how we change the introduction every time. It's phenomenal. We got to keep it spicy. We got to keep it spicy for the Curious Scrappy Podcaster. And speaking of Curious and Scrappy Podcaster, our guest today is Rebecca Schwartz, the phenomenal host of Dating in the Bay. We're going to go by Becca. I call you Becca, so we're just going to run with it. And I know you go by plenty of different names, depending on who your friend is or who it is that you're talking with. But we're super excited to have you on, not only because you're the host, because at one point, and maybe still are, a Curious and Scrappy Podcaster. But before we jump on and get right to it, why don't you give us a quick background about yourself, the show, and all the good stuff, and then we'll just go right into it. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for having me today. I'm excited. I think I'm definitely a curious and scrappy podcaster. I mean, the one woman show over here, just Dating in the Bay, I created it. It's grown and evolved a lot more than I what I thought it would be. But basically, I heard a bunch of podcasts that were always talking about dating and relationships, and they always had this element of something's wrong with you, something's missing, and you need to fix it. And I just fundamentally believe that that's not true. And so the premise of my show is that we're all whole, especially it's mostly geared to women, but anybody can listen. Yeah. Like we just basically bring in people like astrologers, experts, coaches, lots of dating related topics, but everything under the hood of what issues we're all dealing with. That resonates with me tenfold. As you know, I started with Couple Collective and I really wanted to eliminate some of the expectations that people had of others in when they're in relationships or even before they are not. And I think the power of the content that you're creating is that you're telling stories of things that people are feeling, but not necessarily always able to even talk to their best girlfriends or homies about. So you've created a phenomenal platform. Thank you. Yeah, it's been like a steep learning curve, but definitely enjoying it and growing every day. Let's jump into that curve a little bit, because I know you initially started this with a co-host and that changed. But let's talk about the moment when you were like, we need to do a podcast. You know, you were listening to different dating podcasts. You fundamentally didn't agree with them. But when was the moment where you're like, no, what? screw it. I'm going to jump right in and create a podcast. And what went through your mind in figuring out what it took to start a show? Yeah. So initially, one of my girlfriends and I, we would just always drink wine and talk about all the woes of dating and kind of complain, but also kind of talk about more philosophical ideas about it. And it hadn't really evolved, I guess, into my evolution of how I look at dating and relationship other podcasts until I got more into podcasting in general. But, oh, we have funny stories and like we can we could like shoot the shit together. Sorry, it's okay if I said that. But we can kind of just talk about all of like our funny stories and people will probably be able to relate to them. And it was kind of more of a myopic view of looking at dating just based in San Francisco. 
from there, we kind of just talked about it loosely. And that's when I think I mentioned to a bunch of people, I was like, oh, I think we're going to start a podcast, but I don't know how. And then one of my friends, who was my building, Erica, she had connected me with you guys. She has a new TJ, I think, from the gym. So it was all kind of serendipitous, but we were putting it out in the universe and then it kind of manifested, I suppose. That's weird, though, because I didn't realize that TJ went to the gym. He never talks about it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But no, in all seriousness, the thing that I enjoy about the progress that you've made is your resiliency. And so as TJ mentioned, you started with a partner and a co-host. And at some point, you guys decided to no longer co-host the podcast But maybe talk a little bit about the journey since you've been doing it yourself and what you've learned about the process and, you know, how you've like started to see growth and success with what you're doing. Yeah. So I would credit the pandemic for a couple of good things. It kind of allowed me to shift. I was thinking more of just, we would only have San Francisco based guests and the pandemic really allowed me to just reach out to anybody anywhere and could record with anybody and shoot anybody a DM and see if they were game for it. And in terms of like my progress, I think it was, I got out of my own way and then everything else fell into place. I remember when I gave TJ back my microphone that one day kind of gave me like a little nudge. Oh, you could do it. And I never like actually thought, oh, I could do it on my own. I'd been thinking about it. A couple of people have been like, you could do it. And I was like, oh, in my head, I was like, no, I can't. And then just like, well, why not? I literally, I was unemployed. There was a global pandemic and I was just sitting at home and talking to myself. So it's like, might as well just record myself talking to myself already. <laughs> and you started to really think about in that time, a lot of people, I think with the pandemic in general, they have these ideas. And then like, if you're not going to do it during the pandemic, when you have all this time, you're probably not going to do whatever that thing is, write a book, go to the gym. It could be starting a podcast. The one thing I also want to commend you on is you actually took the initiative during the pandemic to focus your energy on the podcast. And even though you had that moment of, I don't know if I can do it, you decided to jump forward with it. So like, what were those first steps, right? Because at this point, let's talk about you came into the studio, you thought you had a studio where you could record, you thought you had a co-host that you could share the responsibilities that ended up not being the case. And then now you're like, all right, well, I want to start recording at home. What were those steps like? What was your thought process? You're like, okay, I need to find some guests. I'm sure you had the equipment. Luckily, we were connected so we could help you out there. But what about that upfront work? What was going through your mind? What was your process like in developing all of that before you started recording? Yeah, that's a good question. I would guess I was thinking, okay, well, I just need to record a couple episodes and kind of get my reps in, like the gym reference, <laughs> just start getting a little bit more comfortable. I had a couple of friends who used to have podcasts and I was like, do you want to help me record? And we can just get some practice in. And it was like kind of the low hanging fruits of those episodes that I was able to start kind of figuring out, okay, these are things that I want to do. These are things that I don't want to do. I don't like recording really late at night with people. I'm like, I'm not going to drink alcohol when I (laughs) record. Like there's like certain things I was like learning along the way as I started doing more episodes. And I think just getting more comfortable video recording, things I had never done before. I took a voice class and that really helped me a lot just in terms of how I sound, I suppose, or, you know, trying to cut out all of my ums and likes and, you knows that I am prone to do that I'm probably doing now. (laughs) I love that. You became a student of your craft. It was something that you committed to doing, as TJ said, and you became a student of it and you wanted to try different ways. And I love what you referenced in terms of like your low hanging fruit, people who are already podcasting or friends that you can start to have conversations with. So you could get comfortable on the mic. And I think that is 
the wall that a lot of people run into when they're like, oh, I don't like how I sound or I don't feel comfortable doing this. You, again, invested your time and your craft to learn it and to get over that hump, which is which is phenomenal. And I think all Curious and Scrappy podcasters can learn from that. I think one of the things I want to double down on in given where the state of where you were at when you first met us and we're learning about podcasting and ultimately learning about yourself and hearing your voice and something we all deal with, especially those who are new to podcasting specifically, is hearing yourself and challenging yourself to understand it's okay. You sound like what you sound. Everybody has a crutch word. Everybody has an um word. And one of the processes that we worked out with you is giving you access to the script to go through and listen to that. And it kind of gives you access to hear yourself and understand how many um words. And I'm sure, and tell me if I'm wrong, that kind of led you to go to that voice, those voice lessons, those coaching lessons, potentially. Am, am I right there? Am I wrong there? Yeah. Well, it was kind of also serendipitous because I was hearing the descript. And then also I just happened to hear a different podcast on one of my morning walks where the guy who was interviewed was like Bradley Cooper's voice coach who helped him change his voice for A Star is Born. Anyways, then I signed up for his class, which was awesome. I highly recommend Roger Love. I'm trying to get him on the podcast too. But yeah, Descript is awesome because it basically it like highlights all of the things that I know that I need to work on. And then I'm like, okay, oh, I sound super monotone. Like my energy doesn't match this energy. You know, I don't want to sound, even though I meant to sound a certain way, I didn't come across that way. And so kind of having to add extra energy and extra, just like getting in the right mindset, I feel like now I'm kind of superstitious where I'm like, okay, I have to, I don't know, listen to my favorite songs before. And I don't know, wear my favorite shoes. I don't It's like really, I don't know if people do that, but that's what I do. <laughs> it's like you're preparing to go like into like athletes prepare to go into a game. They have the same thing. They wear the same socks. They wear the same hat. They wear the same headphones coming in, you know, things like that. So I love that. Yeah, it's good. That's why I'm wearing a hat right now. Yeah, Julian's got his hat. Julian's, Julian's a hat guy, in case anyone didn't know. I mean, I do have a question on whether or not the intent behind getting Bradley Cooper's coach was for podcasting or if you were trying to be in a movie like Star is Born. But I think one of the things that I love that you talked about earlier, and you kind of said it quickly, but I want you to, to really dive into that. You've had some phenomenal guests, authors, founders of companies like the person who started Match.com. You talked earlier about just like sliding into DMs and asking people to be on the podcast. Can you talk a little bit more about your process of outreach and how successful that's been for you? Yeah, it's actually sometimes freaks me out how receptive people are. And then I get really overwhelmed because sometimes late at night, I'm just like shooting off DMs to random people who have massive accounts. And then they write back and they're like, sure. And I'm like, oh, uh oh. And so I have a bunch of those that are in the pipeline that I'm low key freaking out about. But I kind of will think about random things like dating related TV shows. Like I had a guy who's on a reality TV show on the show. People just, they're very receptive. I think people like attention in general. So, and I think people like to say yes with the assumption that most people, especially right now, people crave human connection more than ever. I think we're also getting more yeses probably than normal, but I guess it's like the same approach that I have for dating that I use for the podcast, which is just like cast a wide net and see what happens and the more like open you are, you never know what's going to happen. Who's an ideal guest? If you could have any three individuals that you would want on as a guest and you have them lined up, who would they be? Oh, this is hard. Probably Trevor Noah, because I just want to talk to him. Brene Brown, definitely want to talk to her. This is tricky. I'm going to think about that. I want this to be a good person. Can we come back to that one? As you go through, you're going to have to let us know. 
So well, let's talk about like the mechanics of scheduling, right? Like you have the behind the scenes aspect going, you're working with us from an editing perspective, you have the equipment, you're feeling confident in your voice, you're sliding into DMs, you're reaching out to people as much as you possibly can. Julian hates it when I use that term. Maybe it's antiquated at this point. I just still think it's very funny. I'm waiting for the bridge between sliding into DMs and the gym. This is turning into let's crush TJ episode. So when someone asks you, like, why do I want to be on the show? Like, why do you want to have me be on the show? Like, what is it that you tell them? What is it that you exude about like your audience, yourself, the the basis of the show? Like, how do you formulate that? Yeah. So basically I say that I'm in the trenches with all of my listeners. I can really empathize. I understand that the key issues that they're going through and feeling, and I also have the same humor, I kind of just understand all the things that will like push buttons that will activate kind of people's, I think, interest in the topics and basically framing it to them. I think that their perspective will really resonate. And also I am trying to create a really positive platform where we talk about dating in like a healthy way that we're not, I want people to feel like when they walk away from an episode that they're taking away at least two tangible things that they can change in their life, like something, whether it's just a positive mantra they can do or how they can fix their self-limiting beliefs, any of those kinds of things I want them to be able to walk away with. Even if it's just they enjoyed the episode and had a couple laughs, whatever it is, I want to have a couple things that people take away and can remember it by. And I think that's how I want to make sure that the guest understands that that's what I want to accomplish with them. And then we kind of work towards that together. I think that's great, right? I think oftentimes hosts like yourself really get excited about having a guest on that they like or just having a guest and they just want to have a conversation. But the fact that you think of two tangible things that you want your audience to come away with is super powerful and I think isn't taken into consideration enough, right? Like at the end of the day, you're creating this show for your audience to really just create awesome content for them to be able to listen to week in and week out. But the fact that you're making sure that each episode you have those two tangible things is just a credit to you and something that I just don't think a lot of podcasters out there think about. They just want to do an interview and they think people are going to listen, but like you have something specific. And I think that's awesome. And I think it needs to happen more. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's just when I think about the podcast that I turn on and then we'll stop midway, it's because I'm like, where is this going? It's just there's no arc or any sort of like tangible walk away. Like it's not an educational one. You're just kind of listening to something that's, I don't know. I feel like time now, especially what is time at this point, (laughs) but it's just kind of, I feel like our time is very valuable and I don't want to waste anybody's time, especially when, if they're tuning in, I want them to like take something positive away from it. Can you also talk about your engagement with your audience? Because from our purview, we follow you on social media. It seems like you're constantly posting before an episode and then you're constantly posting after an episode. Can you talk a little bit about like how you've truly starting to build a community? Yeah, I think it's kind of a tribe of sorts of people are kind of all in this together, especially when even we're all separated, but we're also kind of collectively feeling the same underlying issues. And I think being able to talk more openly about like vulnerability and how to like bring your authentic self to the table and, you know, all these issues of like dealing with rejection and all these insecurities that people are facing. And I don't think usually people talk about it. And I've actually received a lot of random feedback from guys who I know from like other contexts that reach out to me. Like they send me long, long messages about like their perspective, how it's changed so much. They were saying how they never had a clue about how women were like thinking about how their perspective is so different and how our logic is so different and how it like just made them think in a completely different way. And I thought that was cool because I didn't know, I didn't know obviously who's listening, but it's just interesting to hear 
help everybody take something else away from the episodes. I want to talk about who's listening for a second, because you have found a specific trend. You're in 67 countries, I think 68 countries as of right now. Your show is growing, you know, every episode it seems like, or it is, but you found a certain country that has taken a liking to your show. Can you talk a little bit about that and how you adjusted your content to fit that audience base? Yeah. So apparently India likes dating in the Bay, which is super exciting and kind of random. And I don't really know how they found it, but I'm glad that they are interested in the content. And yeah, like most recently I had a Bollywood actor who I just randomly DM'd and had him on and kind of learned about dating in India. And he's also British. So hearing about being Indian in Britain and then also going back to India and how that's really different. And just, I didn't even know about all the kind of he was like, yeah, in India, people just, they'll give out their phone number to anybody and they're very forward. And it was super interesting. And I think I definitely want to have more just different countries highlighted because I think it'd be a really cool perspective to hear about how we're all tackling it in different ways. That's such a phenomenal thing to like, look at, okay, where are my listeners coming from? Who are they? And let me try to find somebody who aligns to them. And so I think for all curious and scrappy podcasters, take note. And it really doesn't matter if have as many downloads as Rebecca does have. You know, she's what crossed the 50,000 mark a while ago, which is phenomenal. And it's going to take a lot of work to get there. Like, I don't want everybody listening to this to assume that you can wake up tomorrow and get 50,000 downloads because it took a lot of hard work for her to get there. But as you start to see numbers and you start to see trends, reach out to people who you think will resonate with that audience as long as it's in line with your topic. So that's such a great tip for our Curious and Scrappy podcaster. Yeah. And also, just to piggyback off of that, something that I learned is like to not rely on external validation. So like I try not to look at the numbers. Initially, I was always asking everybody what they thought of the episode and always trying to like get a pulse on, did they approve? Did they approve? And then I was like, first of all, my show. So I call the shots and I thought it was a good episode. And that's really coming from within is I think people should measure their own success and also like the growth over growth and not relying on outside validation because India could stop listening tomorrow and I'm still going to be doing the show and my numbers will drop, but that's okay. And I'll figure it out as I go. No, I was just going to say, I love how you said like, if India stops listening tomorrow, like the whole country's tuned in. (laughs) But yeah, definitely makes sense. Like I'm stealing what TJ was going to say, but you're staying true to yourself, which is perfect. I want to talk about an interesting story, right? At the beginning, you initially started dating in the Bay to be a larger brand, I believe, right? You wanted to actually be part of a matchmaking service. Now, one, I want to hear about a couple of stories in regards to that, because I think you have some interesting situations where you brought a lot of people together and, and couples became of that. I want to know how those couples are doing, if you know. And then also, is that still in the plan? Is that still in the grander, grandiose plan of dating in the Bay? Or, or like, where are you thinking the future is going to lie? Yeah. Well, just to tell the story from the very beginning, I made dating in the Bay as a joke. And I started just posting really funny conversations that I had with people that were like really ridiculous. Then people started following it. And I was like, oh, it's probably probably not a good look. I probably shouldn't be posting my own conversations. So I deleted them. And then I was like, oh, I could actually like make this into a whole ecosystem where we, I really like matchmaking. I do, I've matched made a couple of my friends. Like I really like doing that. And so we hosted a couple events and we had a big Valentine's Day party last year. And I think three or four couples were from that event. And then I hosted a bachelor viewing party. We had a couple people, I know they went on dates. I don't know if they're still together for the 
Valentine's Day party, but I know there were several couples that like a couple of people emailed me asking if I could intro them to people that they met at the Valentine's party. They didn't know their names. And I was like, I don't know that person, but. So where does it go from here though? So do you still want to do the matchmaking or like, is that still part of it? Yes. I definitely want to still do events and I want to kind of make as many in-person events as possible. And I think it'd be really cool down the road if I could make it across the country, because I get lots of DMs from people who are in different cities, either it's like a really rural place where they say that they just like can't get any dates because you have to drive really far to like find somebody. And then also people in the cities also have similar overlapping challenges. There's obviously like nuance depending on where you are, but it seems like the issues that we face here are pretty similar to New York and Miami. I don't know why I just chose Miami, but lots of places all over the country that all kind of, we're all in the same boat together. Miami's hot right now. It is. a lot. Of- There's a billboard here. There's a billboard here in the Bay Area telling everyone to go move there. I've never even been to Miami, so I don't even know where that came. <laughs> Hilarious. That's great that you still have the vision of creating that platform. And because of your experience, you're learning more that it doesn't just have to be at a local bar in the Bay Area, but you can really use your superpowers to get people together. I know a guy that we could get set up. The one thing I appreciate what you're doing is you've adjusted on the fly. It was initially like matchmaking. It was a joke. You had a co-host. You wanted to talk about dating stories. And now it's about just like helping people in general. Is that where you see the show continuously going? Or what are some things that you want to try show related? Do you want to have multiple guests on? Do you want to try doing a live show that's live stream? Like what is piquing your interest now that you have, I think like 25 episodes at this point? Like what is really curious to you? Yeah, that's an interesting question because I kind of just will brainstorm lots of random ideas about mostly topics. And then I'll try and figure out people that can help me get those topics covered, like egg freezing. I've been having a lot of trouble getting an egg freezing expert. I guess more like women's issues that we're facing, especially, I think most people are in their 30s who listen. I actually don't know. But it seems like when I ask people about issues, issues that are a little bit taboo, but that are making things a little bit more easy to talk about that sometimes people don't want to talk about. So like mental health and dating feelings, sometimes apparently like men don't talk about their feelings a lot. That's been the new consensus that I heard about from some other episodes that I did, but doubling down and tapping more into not self-help, but like that growth perspective mindset, I think is going to be interesting, but I'm definitely open to like other ideas people have because I'm still kind of figuring it out. It's more just random things that come in my brain. I wish I could say that I had some big master plan, but it's mostly just me like shooting off random DMs and thinking about random topics about like mindfulness or health and like people's, yeah, just insecurities in general. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. It does. And I think a follow-up to that is while you've seen a ton of growth, you're on the cusp of starting to like, okay, I think we need to try and find some sponsors, right? And sponsors do a lot of things. One, it makes your show monetarily successful, if you will, even though we would all agree here that your show is successful. What you've done is incredibly impressive, but now you're starting to hopefully get some revenue from it, which will allow you to hopefully offload some things to other people to hopefully, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but grow the show even more. So let's say you find some sponsors, like what are the type of sponsors that you would like to get? And then as a part two of that question is what would you do with that revenue to help scale the show? I haven't thought too much about the revenue side just because I don't talk about brands really very much on the show in general. I haven't like plugged any specific things. Like the things that kind of come top of mind are like 
makeup, skincare, that kind of stuff that's like more towards women, clothes related. I guess I kind of have to think more about the brands or I asked a couple pizza places that I really like going to locally if they wanted to sponsor and they said they'd get back to me just because I like pizza. But yeah, I think in terms of if I did have revenue, it would be mostly right now going through the editing of Indescript does take quite a bit of time for me. Alleviating that would help me just like streamline a bit more because yeah, right now thinking about past episodes, editing those, and then trying to email a bunch of people who I want to do for future episodes. And then also actually planning out the episodes that I have already planned. And that seems sometimes like it can be a lot to juggle all at once. So, which is why I like working with you guys, because you guys help so much on the editing side and dealing with all the logistics and all the things that are not in my wheelhouse. Yeah, no, I think that's a definitely a great use. I think for most people, freeing up that time to be able to then focus on the show, focus on the content, focus on the guests, I think makes perfect sense. But if there are any pizza shops that are listening to this, please hit up Becca because we want to get get her sponsored with some pizza. Thank you. Preferably Detroit style pizza, but I'm flexible. Ooh, I love me some Detroit style pizza. That's from left field. I know, right? There's a spot across from Airbnb that had opened up that was Detroit style, but I don't know if it's open. There's an incredible one in Nopa. Incredible. Yeah, Nopa. Oh, which one? I don't know the name. It's on the corner. I can tell you exactly where it is. I just don't know the name of it. It's like a coffee and Detroit pizza. Yeah, Square Pie Guys. Yeah. Yeah. And then Cellar Maker. Yeah. That's the other one. Yeah, exactly. Yep, yep. So here's a question. One, we still need to know who that third guest is, their ideal guest. But let's say you really connect with somebody who really vibes with you know what you're doing as a show. You're really They really get what you're doing. Would you consider bringing on a co-host for a second season or taking a pause or bringing them on being full-time? Or do you see this as, you know what, this is my baby. This is something that I want to just own fully and wholeheartedly. I would love to have a co-host because I feel like sometimes my episodes so focused on like getting out the information from my guests that I don't get to actually always talk as much as I want to. Or when I do, I'm kind of like trying to respond to everything and then I kind of end up rambling a lot. and. <laughs> a little incoherent. So it'd be nice if I had a co-host because I could riff with them. And then also like we'd kind of have our own banter and then like you guys have, I could be like you guys. And then also be able to then share information to via my guest. So I'm open to it. Yeah. I think for me in particular, when I was doing couple collective by myself, I mean, I was interviewing couples and I asked Emily at first if she would do it and she's like, I don't really want to do it. Emily's your wife. But then she started like, yeah, Emily's my wife. And then she started coming with me when I was doing the interviews. So then like every once in a while, you'd hear her like laugh. <laughs> and then as she got more comfortable, she would start to be a part of the conversation. And now she has her own podcast where she doesn't even need me anymore, which is interesting. But no, I think having a co-house and having somebody that you can riff off of is huge. And again, exactly to your point, it allows for you to have space to deliver the message that you want to deliver while you're thinking about what you want to say next. So I think that is a a great thing to have. And we'll think of some people that I think would be good. Do you have a profile of who that guest could be? Or sorry, that co-host could be? I think it'd be cool to have a guy's perspective. I don't have that many guy friends. So I think it'd be refreshing to have a guy perspective on the show because I feel like I skew very, my audience and like the issues I talk about are very just my experiences. So it'd be nice to kind of round it out with somebody else. You know, another 
strategy you could have is like have temporary co-host. I think a lot of us, we think about this idea of like really getting bucketed in, like it's got to be Julian and I you know, doing the pod on podcast, or it's got to be, you know, Becca only doing dating in the Bay. But I think being creative and saying, Hey, will you mind coming on as being a guest co-host with me? Well then I think change and actually allow you to kind of a little bit of an A-B test. Maybe you get more downloads. You know, maybe you get more feedback on social. And then you know you do a couple of those here and there. Then all of a sudden, and it could be male, female, whoever. Then after that, maybe it's like, oh shit, like we can actually move forward. And this actually helps the show overall. I can give them this type of you know project or this type of responsibility while I own this as a co-host. You know, there's a lot of different things that you can do. Yeah, TJ, I love that. And I think about Sean, my neighbor, who's a marriage and family therapist. In the beginning, he was somebody that I interviewed as a guest, but then he became almost like a reoccurring guest slash co-host because he was really delivering a lot of the content. So I love that suggestion. All right. So before we do the last question here, Becca, did you find out who the third guest was that you, your ideal third guest? Yes. Who is it? My mother, because she refuses to come on the show. What? She's too shy. I know, but I tell her, I'm like, we could practice a bunch. I really want to have her as the guest. So she's my number one. I think you need to sneak attack a recording there, potentially. Just like put your phone, record, and just like start talking and then just release it. Then you're like, hey, everything's already out there. Well, and it's just funny because so my mom, I have her listen to every episode before. Like I always send her the version before. I'm like, just give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Like it's going to like, embarrass her so far we're like 24 for 24 so we're good that's good that's good i was gonna make one statement about having family on i interviewed my parents for couple collective and then how was that it was great great conversation great content but then they got into a, a little tiff afterwards because my dad said that he had three masters, but we all thought that he only had two. And it was this whole thing. It was just like, whatever. But it was kind of funny. So just be careful with that. Weird flex, Julian Sr. <laughs> I know, right? No, I have three masters. So I'll serve up the last question. What advice do you have? You've dropped a lot of knowledge for the Curious and Scrappy podcaster. If there's one thing you can leave the Curious and Scrappy podcaster with, what would it be? One thing. I think just thinking broader and thinking more outside the box than like whatever you're thinking about doing, but then opening that up a lot more broadly and being really open to seeing what happens. I think initially I was looking at just doing SF dating stories, talking to my friends about their dating. And then I ended up pivoting and being, I think also flexibility, being really flexible and being open to pivoting to a completely different where you're like, now I'm kind of like the intermediary between all these experts and kind of like shepherding their messages through me. And I think that's like a cool thing that wouldn't have happened if I wasn't willing to kind of go with the flow. Because I think sometimes people get maybe stuck in their ways a bit. You're definitely a testament to adjusting to being open and honest with yourself about what you excel at, what you want to do and what you want the show to be. So I commend you for that. And you know, you are a testament also to just like, growing a show from nothing. It is hard to do it. It is hard to be consistent. It's hard to stay away from pod fade, but you sure as hell did it. So congratulations to you. You should be super proud. And I think we're all super excited to see where you go with it. Oh, thank you. Started from the bottom. Now you're on the pod on podcast. There you go. This is very exciting. My first real podcast that I've been on. So very excited. Hopefully you can get on some more. That's how you get more growth. Join more podcasts. I know, but I'm always so nervous. So it's like, I'm just always managing my own. <laughs> it's fine. Oh, you're fine. So before we go, let everyone know where they can find 
dating in the Bay, you know, you, how they reach out to you and all that good stuff. Yeah. So you can follow me on Instagram at dating in the Bay, B-A-E. And you can follow my personal account, Pipples and Pizza. Yeah. You could follow dating in the Bay podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you guys so much for having me. Most definitely. Every episode of the Pod On Podcast is produced and edited by Studio Pod Media. For more information about our work and our clients, go to studiopodsf.com. Shout out to Gary Oakland for the fire track. Gary O!